welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hi, I'm Kimberly Bringus. I work at Drizzly, and my title is LDP Lead. I lead the team of leadership development partners. Awesome. It's great to have you on the podcast, Kimberly. Can you tell me about the most exciting thing that you're working on these days? Oh my goodness. I mean, so many things. It's one of those where I genuinely geek out over my job. Um, My biggest initiative right now is actually growing my team. So I was promoted into the lead role last October, which was a huge step in my career. And um, I started with Drizzly in the LDP tech team leads role. And so I'll actually be, well, I have been leading the team and now I'm growing it. So being able to find other partners who will focus on um, supporting the orgs, uh, their orgs leaders, um, and just overall helping the, their orgs upskill, you know, they're not just the leadership skills, but holistically as well. Yeah. Uh, first of all, congrats. Thank um, you. And what do you think? I know you've been working remotely for way before even way before the (laughs) pandemic. I mean, have obviously had a lot of experiences. What in your opinion makes somebody a really great remote first leader? That's a fantastic question. And the answer may surprise you a little bit because there seems to be this, this misconception about remote work, remote leadership that it's this entirely new skill set and, and knowledge bases that no one has ever done before. That's actually not true. A lot of the foundational leadership skills, such as giving effective feedback, um, having you know tailored one-on-ones, addressing conflict, those are all just those really strong baseline leadership skills. The real challenge is actually adapting them to a remote environment. And so one of the biggest indicators, if a leader is either going to adapt well to a remote first environment, if let's say they haven't done it before, or if they'll continue to upskill in meaningful ways is at the core of it is if they lead with humility. And what I mean by that is being able to recognize that the things that may have served you in the past may not continue to serve you moving forward. And this willingness and openness to partnering and learning. So in my role as an LVP and what my team does is we essentially help our leaders think about how are you leading your teams? How are you thinking about your organizational strategies? How are you evolving your teams? Are your skills actually evolving to map to where you, where you want your team to go? And so to me, a big piece of it is not just, you know, learning the skill sets themselves, but just understanding that they're gonna need to maybe adapt and evolve. A great example is addressing conflict. How you may address conflict, let's say in an office environment can feel very different than addressing it in remote. So being able to hop on a call with someone or a video call and be able to unpack that, there's that little bit of awkwardness through video and being able to adjust it. But those baseline skills of leading with curiosity, asking open-ended questions, providing you know, safe space and that intentionality for psychological safety, those remain consistent. It's just being able to develop those skills and then adapt them to remote. Uh, I have so many follow-up questions to <laughs> show there. Um, kind of the first one is, I love the, what you mentioned about being able to adapt the skills that maybe you learned in person um, on an in-person team to remote. Can you 
maybe talk about some of the ways that a leader, for example, can adapt the skills when they're in like a one-on-one with a director report so that it is more effective on a remote team. Absolutely. So again, those baseline skills when it comes to effective remote one-on-ones or just one-on-ones in general is consistently having them. One of the biggest mistakes is to let that one-on-one practice lapse. So canceling, moving, you should see that as the prime time for you to be able to engage with each of your direct reports. And that space should be considered sacred outside of like one of you is on vacation or, you know, something really big comes up, really honoring that space. And so the things that I found to be most effective in one-on-ones, especially when let's say you're starting a one-on-one relationship, this can be, you were hired in as, as a new people manager and you're getting to know direct reports. You've been promoted into that role. There's just a newness to that relationship. One of the most powerful um, methods I, I coach my leaders on is being able to discover what your direct report values, what motivates and drives them, engages them at work, because it can vary from person to person. It can be for some people, it has to be the work. The work has to be interesting. It has to be engaging. It has to, you know, really challenge them for others. It can be connection to teammates, you know, in remote teams, that feeling of, you know, belonging, that inclusivity, feeling connected to your teams, there needs to be more intentionality there. It could be they just, they need a strong connection to their manager. It could be that, you know, they have this idea of where they want to go in their career and they want to make sure they have, you know, a path forward. They can see that career progression for themselves. It could be a mix of these. It could be other things, but being able to lead with, I want to understand what you value. So I can ensure that when we're having our one-on-ones that we're taking time to, you know, connect opportunities to the things that matter most to you. And oftentimes that conversation can get skipped. One of my favorite exercises to use is the user manual to me. This is something we've used on the people team. I've used it with my direct reports. Um, Some of the leaders I've supported have started using it. It essentially is a user guide that the person answers a series of questions and you exchange guides. And this is the important piece. Managers do this exercise too, as a way of getting to know each other. And a big portion of that is how do you work with me? How do you How can we connect in a way that's meaningful? So taking that time up front to really set the tone of, I want to get to know what matters to you, what motivates you, what drives you, setting that baseline can ensure that future discussions, whether that's checking in on projects or come, let's say, performance review time, you've already kind of established that baseline. And you know, I know this direct report cares about this. I know this direct report cares about this? How can I align my messaging? How can I align opportunities? How can I engage with them in a way that matters most to them? And oftentimes just that, that intentionality, especially at the beginning of that relationship can sometimes get overlooked and missed. Um, so taking that little bit of time to, to understand what is each direct report value, what motivates them, and then being able to tailor future one-on-ones and discussions um, to really align to those. Yeah. That's a really, really interesting approach. Um, I know one of like pieces of feedback that I've heard and even experienced a little bit myself um, is like removing some of the, I'm not sure if awkwardness is the right word or just like, but more specifically, like knowing how exactly to structure a good Mm one-on-one, especially after the first one when it is weekly or bi-weekly. Do you have any like, you know, tools that 
tools or tips that you've given to leaders within the teams that you work on, on like ways to kind of structure a one-on-one? Absolutely. One of the, actually, you pointed it out beautifully, just acknowledge the awkwardness, like, especially if let's say you're a newer leader to, to remote. I mean, pretty much all of us were thrown into, to leadership, um, in a remote setting or just in general, everybody was thrown in the, in a remote setting because of a pandemic acknowledge the awkwardness. One thing I actually just as as a little side note, like to remind folks that their experiences working remotely during the pandemic is not normal remote experiences because all of those infrastructure pieces that help support somebody to be able to effectively work from home, things like schools being opened, daycare, you know, even, you know, um, doggy daycares, like all of these things that could help you be able to focus and engage at home, you're having just a higher level of distraction. So I always like to point that out that if it doesn't seem normal, it's because it's not, I mean, we're sort of maybe kind of gradually moving back to that, but we're not fully there yet. So being able to be honest and transparent and frankly, vulnerable of saying, first off, this is a little awkward for me. Or if let's say you have experience with, with remote work, but your new direct report doesn't, being able to say like, well, is this awkward for you? What about this is awkward for you? Like this is, you know, a no judgment space. It's just kind of calling out the thing for what it is. Um, and then from there, it can kind of just, you know, the saying of, you know, calling out the elephant in the room and just being able to acknowledge it together. And that can start building that little bit of foundation of psychological safety. Now, in terms of structure, I mean, the biggest one is always have an agenda, have something that's a recurring piece that you both commit to filling out beforehand. It could be in the calendar invite itself. It can be a separate Google doc, whatever it is, but it's that intentionality of preparing before you go into the space. And more importantly, also ensuring that you're allocating specific one-on-ones for very specific discussions, such as uh, goals check-in. So if you've set a goal at the beginning of the quarter, you know, marking those one-on-ones like twice a quarter as we're going to have a goals check-in or we're halfway through the quarter now. Let's talk through progress. How are your, your projects going? So it's being very intentional about how you're using that space. And I have found both the agenda and also allocating specific one-on-ones. Like one of the best discussions I personally had with my manager is we use um, the Corn Fairy competencies. And it's a great structure in terms of how you can talk about growth and development. So we did a card sort where I essentially identified kind of the areas I'm unskilled in, the areas, you know, I want to, you know, I'm untested. I haven't really had the chance to grow in where I think I'm, I'm pretty good. And then from there, being able to narrow down what are a couple competencies I want to grow and be better at. Now, I almost wanted to skip this because I had like a ton of things on the agenda that we needed to cover. And she's like, no, we need to discuss your growth. So we are going to spend the bulk of our time today talking about it. And the fact that she, well, forced is a strong word, but she essentially pushed to have that discussion ended up benefiting me long-term because now I'm aligning certain goals that I want to set so that I can grow those specific competencies. And I'm thinking more holistically about my growth. So it's also sometimes pushing back on a direct report when they're like, well, we have all of these things. It's like, yeah, we're always going to have a never ending task. Like we're never going to be completely done, but your growth is important. Your development is important. So we're going to ensure that we're also creating space for that as well. So that balance between 
being able able to gauge on the day-to-day, but then setting aside that, that time for those really meaningful growth discussions as well. That's a really good point. One question and or also school of thought that I've definitely seen from time to time is what do you, when do you think like the direct report should be owning the agenda versus the manager? Um, Kind of what's your take on that? Oh, I have very strong opinions on this. It needs to be the direct report. So uh, specifically at Drizzly, we have the DLP, which is our Drizzly leadership principles. And so one of those is ownership mentality. And we're very big on, when we say leaders, we don't just mean people managers. Anyone can be a leader at Drizzly. And these are the, the core principles to embody day in and day out. Now, ownership mentality is important because really folks should feel like they are in the driver's seat of their own development. And a big part of that is coming prepared to one-on-ones. Now, it's not to say that you know your manager just shows up, but they actually look over the agenda. They add in topics. They engage with the person. But really, it's the direct report that's being able to say, you know, hey, this portion of a project didn't go well, or, you know, this thing happened. I need your support on this, being able to reach out. But the flip side is it is the manager's responsibility to ensure they are creating that space where the direct report can feel comfortable, you know, raising certain concerns or wanting to drive certain discussions leading with that curiosity is, is really important. So it really is the direct report who's, who's driving, you know, that development, but, you know, their manager is an active supporter of that too. This is why I'm a big fan of the connector manager model. Um, this came out of a really great book by uh, Gartner called the connector manager. And the idea is, is it's a, it's the pitfall when a manager thinks they need to be the be-all, end-all source of you know, expertise and knowledge for each of their direct reports. If anything, they should look at what are the areas of expertise they can, they can offer and help their direct report with. But in the areas where they may have gaps, it's looking for which you know, parties they can connect their direct report to within the company, outside the company, internal, external resources to ensure that they are holistically growing. So it definitely is a partnership, but if a director for isn't feeling empowered to be in that seat to really drive their development and their growth forward, that to me is an indication that there is a misstep or a misalignment of expectations. Because really at the end of the day, like we wanna feel a sense of ownership and autonomy in the things that we're doing. And so a manager's job is just to ensure that, you know, the path is clear, that they can really help, you know, the the person focus, you know, remove those obstacles. Um, So being, you know, that, that's that high level support for them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Shifting, like shifting gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, When you're working with someone who maybe is promoted into a leadership role, uh, excuse me, into a management, a people management role for the first mm-hmm. time. And, you know, they're just starting to do one-on-ones on the manager side instead of just as an individual contributor. What are some of the tools or training that you've kind of worked with them on in the past? Absolutely. Great question. Um, so this is where I need to give a lot of credit to our L&D team. So um, L&D, Learning and Development, and LDP's Leadership Development Partners, we were purposely put together 
on the same team. So the org development team. And so one of the initiatives that our L&D team did was implement um, those those different types of leadership training. So whenever we have anybody either promoted into a management position or we've hired them externally and and, um, into a new management position, every manager goes through what's called our Black Label Leadership Training. So we have a manager core one. We partner with Life Labs. And so every, every manager will go through that series and that's those core foundational leadership skills. So effective one-on-ones, feedback, um, you know, conflict, like those kind of main pieces. And so not only are they doing these trainings, they do four trainings and there's a little bit of a break and they have an intensive, but they also get all of these resources. So, you know, sample one-on-one docs, um, sample feedback to kind of, you know, um, help the, help their brain sort of box, like which are the pieces so I can give that, that really tailored feedback. So they have those resources. And then also for their new hire onboarding, there is specifically a manager onboarding section. I actually lead one of the portions which specifically focuses on remote leadership practices. And so I give them four exercises and that they can use with their own teams. One of them is the user manual to me, which is one of my favorites at getting to know you guide. Um, another one is team agreements. So how do you talk about what are the implicit and explicit expectations? How can you, you know, as a group, especially if you're a new manager with a new team, call out what are those behavioral expectations and then create that list. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to do it, but being very intentional that we understand like you're a new manager and that's not just brand new people manager never managed, but it's also taking into account you're a new manager here at Drizzly. What does being a manager here mean? What are the expectations here? And so, you know, putting in those um, really standardized, expected trainings are critical. But then another initiative, our L&D team, which I mean, shout out to Ari, he does such good work around here, are these baseline foundational pieces to be a manager, setting goals, and one-on-one. So we use Culture Amp. And so there has been a big initiative to have everybody do their one-on-ones in um, Culture Amp, track it there, and then also input their goals. So that does a couple of things. One, since Culture Amp has you know, a standardized system, it sends out reminders, like remember to pair for your one-on-one. There's a set agenda. There's also these really great um, sliders for different topics, like how are you feeling about work overall? you know, uh, what's your work progress like? What are your team connections? And being able to do those kind of pulse checks, which are really great for a manager to be able to say, oh, you know, from last one-on-one to this one-on-one, there is a change here. And so it's really instituting those basic behavioral pieces, but also understanding that folks need training. They need resources. They need help to understand how to do that well. And again, it's not just our brand new promoted people managers, but any manager that we bring in, you know, goes through this because there are just baseline ways of what does it mean to be a leader here at Drizzly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, from like a foundational standpoint, do you think people managers are, you know, that are introverts or extroverts, which one, you know, tends to perform better in your opinion? That is an interesting question. Um, again, I don't really think it's, the introversion, extroversion, because they each have their strengths, right? An extrovert can be really good about 
wanting to engage and ask a lot of questions. Of course, I'm speaking in generalities, not everybody's like this. And then the, you know, kind of more introverted tend to, you know, want to listen more, more to absorb. This is where, again, having those, those baseline discussions of what is it that your direct report needs from you, setting those expectations early on, both from a value standpoint, an engagement standpoint, a communication standpoint, um, and then figuring out are the ways that you're comfortable engaging really going to help your direct report. So for instance, a great example, um, my boss and I, we're pretty different in terms of how we like to communicate. She's like an in real time processor, likes to hop on a call, talk through things. I'm more of, I like to, you know, get my thoughts down, you know, asynchronously first, really, really think about it. And so it's become this question of, you know, how can we compromise and work with each other to kind of adapt and figure out like which preference is going to really help us. And so being able to have those honest conversations um, really do help. And sometimes if, you know, labels like introvert, extrovert are a way to, you know, um, promote those types of discussions, because, you know, there, there tends to be traits that can be associated, you know, with both. But I would say being a little bit cautious with, you know, being so stuck on those labels that you end up making assumptions like, oh, well, this person says they're an extrovert. That means they want these things, or this person is an introvert. It means they'll respond to these things. It's actually taking the time to ask, like, is this helpful? Does this help you connect to me? What is it that you're going to need here to, to thrive? So again, it's that leading with curiosity, you know, really demonstrating that care and intentionality to get the, to know the person. And then again, it's a partnership between a manager and direct report, figuring out where's the given give and take in order to ensure that we are both working well together. Yeah, absolutely. You said something really interesting that kind of the middle of, kind of in the middle there, which is your manager is more of a real time, let's hop on a call and you're very much more asynchronous. Mm -hmm. um, like to kind of think your responses. And I feel like, especially in the last few years since the pandemic, like Zoom fatigue is definitely a thing. Yes. What are some strategies that leaders, not only just people managers, but any leader in an organization can do to better like lead asynchronously? Absolutely, it's a great question. Zoom fatigue, oh my goodness, is real. And so it's being able to explore different options because the goal is communication, right? You want to communicate well, you want to get the information either, you know, you need as a manager to know your direct reports are good, they're on track. And for your direct report, understanding, you know, high level direction that they're moving towards the right things. And so a couple of, of tactics that I've used, especially for one-on-ones is um, providing the option to do a phone call. It seems so simple, but for some of my leaders, I say, hey, I get a little video fatigue. Would you be up to do a phone call? I've actually found it's led to some deeper discussions with certain individuals because since you're not distracted by the screen, you're more focused on the conversation. So um, phone calls can be a good way. Now, one of my favorites that I've been using recently is so Slack uses or has a video feature where you can do short video clips. So this has actually been a really great way for my manager and I to do our almost like what would have been like in real time, like kind of processing thoughts out loud that you would normally do with a video call, but keeping it to under a five minute clip. So there'll be times where I will write out some things, you know, asynchronously, like, 
here's, here's some critical updates, but then I'll do a video and say, Hey, watch this video for additional insights. So I'll walk her through a spreadsheet I was working on, or just kind of talk some of my thoughts out loud. And I have found that that's actually been an effective way to kind of time box some of those things without having to, and doing it in my own time versus having to set a meeting time. Um, and that just came out of a suggestion where I was like, Hey, I think I'm just going to make a video on this to, you know, give you some insights here. You know, feel free to, you know, message back with, you know, asynchronously or, or with written communication or send another video back. And now this has just become a normal way that we just communicate and interact with each other where we can engage with the content in our own time. But then it's providing that space where, especially when she just likes to have her open train of thought, it really helps her, you know, get that, that messaging out in a way that is helpful to, to her, but then also for me, because then I can absorb it in the time that makes sense for me in an async format. So it's that willingness, again, that humility, that willingness to, to experiment. And sometimes it's just having the courage to ask. Um, I find it so fascinating, especially with the, the phone call one, pretty much every person, when I've asked them, Hey, would you be good with just hopping on a phone call? Their, their answer was like, Oh my gosh, absolutely. I'll get to go for a walk outside or I can fold laundry. Um, one of my side things is sometimes when there's chores, I don't want to do, and I know I have a couple phone calls, that's actually a nice way to also get some little chores done and kind of keeping my hands busy helps me focus on the call as well. So it's, it's really a win-win for everybody involved. Absolutely. Um, Kind of shifting gears a little bit, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people managers, um, either who are new to managing people and managing teams or new to managing remotely, uh, tend to stumble upon? Mm. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Um, the first one is not asking for help. So this feeling of, oh, well, I just need to figure out things on my own. That's not true. Really good leaders. Again, the theme here is humility. Have the humility to know what you don't know and ask for help. So one of the good things is with our onboarding process, we specifically have remote topics, we address it. And then we have specific roles like mine, the LDP role, where it's like, if you need support, you're not sure where to go, start with your LDP you know, leaders, this is specifically a resource that we have for you. So if there's something you don't know how to do well, ask. The other piece is taking the time for their own development and just understanding it's going to take time, right? Is feeling like, oh, I should know how to do this and then getting frustrated. It's no, like any new skill, you know, everything takes time. And so being able to, which leads to my third point, being able to admit when you've made a mistake, if you're newer to remote, that's okay. Like I touched on earlier, having those conversations with your direct reports and teams saying, hey, I'm newer remote. If some of you notice certain things that I'm doing that maybe I could benefit from using a certain tool or addressing something this way, let me know. I'm here to learn from you as well. So it's creating that culture of learning, creating that culture of feedback and making it really safe. And then that way it also feels like a team effort in upscaling you as well. Um, and then just being able to say along the way, hey, um, I'd like to experiment and try this thing. Let's see how it goes. Or, you know, this is where your external network's really great. Finding remote communities to, to be part of and be able to learn from and bringing those, those experiments back to your team and being willing to say, 
that thing didn't work. Or I thought if I messaged things this way, um, it could impact, didn't seem to have it. Let's kind of, you know, re-strategize and think through it. So it actually provides an opportunity to demonstrate to teams like, I don't know it all. That's okay. I'm learning. I want you to be learning too. We're going to be learning together. So it's really setting that stage of we're in this together and not being afraid to not have all the answers. And that's something that came from my current manager, especially, you know, as I was, you know, transitioning into my management role is she's like, remember your number one priority is your team. Make sure your team's okay. Focus on that and everything else is going to fall into place. Be okay with making mistakes. You're learning. This is normal. And then just having, you know, that faith that over time you're going to stumble and it's going to be good and you're going to learn from it. You're going to move on um, and everything's going to be good. So it's just also, and the last one is giving yourself grace and kindness that it is okay to take time to learn things that you're going to make mistakes. It's totally fine. So it's also creating those support structures. This is where one of our fa my favorite perks that Drizzly offers is we have Bravely Coaching. So this is one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's anonymized. So I have my coach. The most information the company ever gets back is which departments um, are utilizing the benefit and maybe some high-level topics, but it's purposely meant to be a safe space. So it's also having those support systems to unpack those narratives you're telling yourself, especially as a new manager or if you're learning new, new skills, you're new to remote, just having that safe space to say, I'm not feeling confident. I'm not feeling great about this. This is the story I'm telling myself about what type of manager I am. And then having support structure. In this case, I have my amazing coach, Scott, who challenges those narratives and helps and helps me through it. Yeah, that's a real, I mean, there's so many good points there, but the one about just always being willing to kind of lean in and realize that you're learning and mm -hmm. is so key. On that topic of like learning in general, are there any books or courses or resources that you kind of recommend for first time PO managers? Oh, so many. So I mentioned uh, the, uh, the Connector Manager by Gartner. That's a great one. Um, they did this just extensive study of these, you know, what makes really strong leaders and then why specifically the Connector Manager is, is the strongest, strongest model to follow. One I'm reading right now, which I am obsessed with, is The Power of Habit. And this one was recommended um, actually by the people team to do a book club on. And it has been so fun having a book club on it. But why I really love it is it does such a good job of highlighting the importance of habits and being able to be more cognizant and aware of what are your habits as a leader? And if these habits aren't serving you, how can you actually change it? Because our brain is so fascinating in terms of a lot of habits we have, we're not even aware that they're there because they're habits. They're in this part of our brain where we just kind of almost go on autopilot. So I've been really enjoying this one mainly because it has helped me become aware of my own habits, both in and out um, of work. And it's been, it's been incredibly powerful. But the one caveat I'll say is, especially with something like habits, when you're noticing things, try not to do it with judgment, just being able to notice like, oh, I do this thing at work, or I tend to have this habit when I go into meetings, just being able to notice. And then that framing of, well, is this habit serving me? If it's not, what is a habit I can replace that with that's going to serve me more? And he, he specifically, the author um, talks about 
um, keystone habits and how that particular habit can then end up having ripple effects in, in other areas too. Um, so yeah, those are, those are two that, that, uh, pop to mind. I mean, there's, there's so many good things out there. Um, but those are kind of the, the two books that, that came to mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I always like to ask a couple of lightning round questions. Mm -hmm. Um, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write it about? Oh, oh my goodness. That's such a good question. Um, Actually, I had this discussion with, with one of my, one of my leaders and this is a little vague, but it's how to, um, design organizational or to do organizational design and strategies that balance being kind, but also being practical where at the end of the day, you definitely want practical organizational designs and how your people work. But how do you balance that with kindness and remembering that these are people, these are humans. So that's kind of where, where my brain goes. Plus I just love organizational design strategy. It's what I nerd out on pretty much every day, but that balance of where do you keep the, the humanness of it, but then also balance those business seeds. Like that, that to me is, is always fascinating to, to dive into. Love it. And if you could have dinner with any celebrity or big name personality, who would you choose and why? Oh man, so many options. But the one that always comes to mind is Mindy Kaling. She is somebody I really look up to in terms of just how hard she works, but she's never lost her kindness. Um, and she actually just announced this, this big deal with Amazon to create space for more diverse voices. So I really admire people who not only do what they love and do it really well, but she also is very intentional about creating opportunities for others because, you know, she acknowledges that, you know, the fact that she is an, you know, an Indian American woman and her background, there were no stories, you know, that, that represented somebody like her. So she really was a trailblazer in that regard, but I just love that she didn't stop at you know, I'm going to, you know, create these spaces for myself. Now she's, you know, opening doors for other potential, you know, voices. So she is just somebody I adore. I, you know, love her books. One of my favorites is why not me? I've reread that at least three to four times. Um, I just find her incredibly inspiring just for, um, just how funny she is, how, you know, she's puts out all this amazing work. She's, you know, works so hard, but she still manages to find that, that humor and that kindness, and then just also creating space for others. Like to me, that is, that is the ultimate in terms of just being a good human. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely read a few of her books as well. And they're so good. Mm -hmm. um, where can listeners find you online? Yes. So the best way to actually connect with me is through LinkedIn. You can just find me Kimberly Bringus. Um, I work at Drizzly LDP lead. If you have those, you should be able to find me and that's the best way to reach out. Awesome. Well, it's been so great having you on the podcast, Kimberly. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.